Today we are joined by Charlotte Roden of Embrace Stress. Charlotte specializes in helping people develop proactive, preemptive stress management strategies without stepping back from the needs, ambitions, or pleasures of life. So Charlotte, one of the things that I think is really interesting is you call yourself the Chief Stress Officer. Yeah. How did you come up with that title? <laughs> um, my background is heavily corporate. So I worked in finance for over 20 years. And it always, uh, organograms always amused me and there was always a title for everything. Um, but it did amuse me that one of the biggest, biggest problems we face is, is stress in the workplace, whether we work for ourselves or whether we work for a company. But there was nobody who was actually in charge of doing anything about it. Um, so I've nominated myself chief stress officer <laughs> for any, any company or anybody self-employed who, who would like help. Awesome. I, I love that title. I think it's, it's kind of puts a comic spin on what it is that you're doing and how you're trying to help people. And this is just it. You know, I think, um, I think we do take the tendency with stress to take it very, very seriously. And actually one of the things that I really wanted to do was actually normalize it and get, and, you know, and by taking people out of that seriousness, it's much easier to sort of either laugh at some of the things that stress us, but also then just get a little bit more creative um, and open-minded about the, the ways that we tackle it. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Um, I think normalizing anything, you know, mental illness, stress, all of these things that we suffer, the more that we can normalize them, the more, the more healing that can occur. And so I, I love that approach. Absolutely. Hey, Becca. You want to start a podcast? Mm-hmm. Align with the Massage Business Mama is the product of two massage school besties deciding to take a leap and try something new. It's morphed, it's shifted, it's grown. But at the core, it's Allie, a massage business coach, and her occasional sidekick, Becca, two therapists committed to elevating the field. Another thing that I love about you, Charlotte, is that you really approach stress from kind of a neuroscience perspective. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So as I said, my background is heavily corporate and I was working a very long hours. Um, I would say I was I was a, a very good example of somebody who was probably living with that middle lane stress, that stress where you kind of accept it. You just get on with life. You never really do anything about it. Um, And I saw that all around me as well. And when I started to look into exactly what stress was, what I realized was it's a human process. And by understanding the process, it was much easier to understand why I maybe felt um, different emotions for different stresses, why I maybe reacted in different ways to different stresses, but also to identify some of the ways I was reacting that I hadn't associated with stress. And it was by understanding that process, so the neuroscience and also the biology, biology side of it, that I actually started to get really comfortable with the idea that, sure, what, everybody has this. Now I've understood where it comes from. It gives me a lot more power to actually change the effect that stress has on me, both the little stresses and then um, the bigger stresses. Yeah. Um, and just by understanding, as with anything, if you can understand a process, you can then understand where you can change your inputs in order to get a different output. 
Otherwise, we're just chucking mud at a wall and hoping something sticks, um, which is how I really felt about a lot of the help that was out there for stress. It was quite generic. and never really said which bit of stress it was for. And so everybody was trying a di- load of different things. Nothing was really working. And most people were giving up and assuming it was never going to change. So how is your approach different for managing stress then? So, uh, and that's where I think my, my approach does become quite different because what it's allowed me to do is break down, A, how we define stress. I mean, I think stress is used as an umbrella, a catch-all term, where actually there are lots of different triggers for stress. Um, and therefore, you know, it's not until, and some of them are quite empowering. But what it also means is, but as I said, by understanding the process, I've been able to again, find solutions that work for different symptoms and different situations, which aren't just focused on fight or flight. I mean, I think what we need to understand is that the stress process is designed as a call to take action, to make some sort of change um, in your life because life is uncomfortable. That doesn't necessarily mean fighting or running away. Which is, which is what the fight or flight response and kind of umbrella actually um, would lead us to do. You know, when I looked into stress, actually, there were a few, there were a few definitions that I actually found really helpful. Um, and one of those is that it's a response to any real or imagined threat. And the important thing there is the imagined bit. Like our brain is really good coming up with scenarios particularly when it's already stressed about something else yeah that are just going to send us into that loop um it's also it's a perception that the pressure we're facing outstrips our ability and our capabilities to do anything about it and to cope um which also you know means that yeah we can we can work on our perception of it and we can work on our view of the stressor but we can also work on our view of where our strengths are what our capabilities are and so it's not always about reducing the stressor sometimes it's about increasing our own awareness of our own powers and the resources we have around us which can be people they can be our own strengths that we don't use they can be our experiences from the past all of which feed into the neuroscience side of it, the brain side of it, and sort of rebalance that perception of our ability to cope. Yeah. Um, because we can't, last, we can't rid of, get rid of all these stress. We can't get rid of stress, yeah. um, which actually leads very nicely to my last, my last definition, which is actually stress is what happens when something you care about is at stake. Um, I love that. If you think about the things that really stress us out, a lot of them are things that we wouldn't get rid of. We wouldn't choose to eliminate from our lives. It's, it's work that we really enjoy, that we enjoy creating something in the case of, of entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, I get stressed out when I come on and do stuff like this. This, this is yeah. stressful for me, but like, it's, it's so empowering and it's so um, amazing to watch kind of the ripple effects of things like this. But if I were to take that out of my life, like, it would be really exactly. sad. Exactly. And I think, and this is where understanding the science behind it really helped because it made me realize that actually the fight or flight response and therefore the techniques that were being used for that in that fear zone were maybe only 25% 
of all the tools that were out there and all the things that feed into feed into it. And so maybe by addressing the 75%, actually we could feel a lot more confident either about why we were bothering to go through the stress in the first place. Like you, as you said, you know, we're on here doing this, doing this talk and it's because you really want to empower people right. to, to create their business, to be able to do their job well, to be successful. Yeah. And actually by, you know, and this, this is relevant for anybody who's got, you know, maybe kids doing exams or if you're doing exams and qualifications, being able to remember why you're bothering in the first place is much more powerful than trying to remember all the little last minute facts and doing that last minute cramming. And so being able to find the research that showed, you know, all of these techniques that we've been taught because we're so afraid of forgetting things or so afraid of the situation, actually they don't, they don't work as well as some of the, some of the softer tools that I might have rolled my eyes at in the past before I'd read the science. Can you give some examples of some of these softer tools that you... I mean, I would say the first one is one that I suspect a lot of people you, a lot of your members uh, are very familiar with, which is most of us forget that stress is a physical process as well as a mental process. And what we forget is the, or a lot of us don't realize is the first thing the brain reads when it's looking for stress is messages from our body, because that's the quickest, fastest signal it will ever get. And so and then the first place it will read that from is our breathing mm-hmm. and muscle tension, um, which is why a lot of people come out of their massage feeling so much less stressed. It's because you as your, and your community have removed one of those stress triggers that the brain is recognizing as, oh, I'm stressed. I've got to start this stress process. I've got yeah. to start kicking out cortisol. Um, and we massively underestimate a lot of the little things that can contribute to stress. You know, stress is cumulative. We tend to blame it on one thing, but the way the little things build up during the day are what can really tip us over the edge. Um, And so just learning to watch out for having used our shoulders or our backs or having tense muscles is really valuable and remembering you know, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of your members feel this. You do very physical work, so you are going to get physically more tense. And just taking time out, creating, making sure you have a break where you can relax those muscles or re- replenish them, is really important. Just as dehydration is a stress trigger, yeah, not having the right nutrients. And the one that I find fascinating is magnesium is the one where we are probably most deficient naturally but it's also the it, it's the mineral that is used in pretty much every human process so your members might be very familiar with it for its effects on relaxing muscles um, but it's also you know it, it, it's it's the mineral that we use to generate melatonin for sleep um, it's used for memory um, and therefore, just being aware of things like that, very small tweaks right. that cost so very simple. little. So simple. It's so simple. Yeah. Um, and it can make the difference between being at breaking point or actually having the capacity to rise to a challenge when it, when it comes up. So as I say, so it's small things like that. 
the other thing, so that's the physical side of it. And I think, I think just getting in touch with what the physical symptoms you experience when you're stressed are means we can catch it a lot earlier because they're the first things that the brain will read. The other thing that I think I realized was that the symptoms of stress go way beyond the physical. And again, when you understand what happens, effectively what happens when we're stressed is our, our, our body switches off anything that is energy intensive. And the most energy intensive thing is the thinking part of our brain. Yeah. Um, and that's all our creativity, all our logic, our rational, our ability to empathize with people, which yeah. is why there are so many flare-ups, bad responses to people when we're a little bit stressed about something else. Yeah. Because that part of our brain just isn't engaged. Interesting. And just being able to understand and just remember, okay, no, this isn't me, right? This is just me not being my best. So if I'm in a stress, if I know I'm going into a situation a little bit stressed because I was, you know, it took me too long to get to work, there's something else on my mind, I know to just try and re-engage that brain deliberately before I do something, you know, and I encourage people to look out for the other symptoms of stress. So to know what they are most likely to default to mm -hmm. when they're not, when they're not feeling their best selves, when they, they don't feel that they can engage that part of their brain quite so readily. I, for example, get really clumsy mm -hmm. and I make mistakes and I get quite irritable. I'm very easily irritated by things. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, you know, and this is how I work with people. We create little systems and strategies not based on everybody else's stress, but based on their specific stress, what they do. So that for me, a process. yeah, it's a process. Just know how you do it, know what the outcome is, and let's try and put something in place to catch the outcome and, and minimize its impact. So like I said, I make mistakes. I get really clumsy. So mm -hmm. I know to slow down. Mm -hmm. Am I going to beat myself up for doing it slowly? No because I know that I'm more likely to make mistakes if I try and rush it because that's just how my brain works. And therefore I'm saving myself time by not having to redo it. Yeah. Um, I know that I get quite irritated. And so I have little questions that I ask myself, okay, is that, is that unreasonable or are you just a bit stressed? And just being able to ask a question to your brain forces that logical part back online because the emotional side can't answer those questions it has to revert to logic the executive brain yeah and bring it back online and so just just knowing what what your behaviors are and the things that could catch you out when you're stressed is incredibly valuable because you can prepare those questions in advance or you can prepare the little strategies if you have a friend or a business partner or somebody, it's very easy to say to them, listen, I'm, I, you know, I tend to face, could you check this for me? Would you mind telling me if you think I react in this way? If you think I'm being too risk averse, and that's something I see a lot in my industry, our risk tolerance changes when we're stressed. We either become really risky or some people revert and they won't take any risk at all. It's all about protection. Mm -hmm. And so, so just knowing that means you can go and get a second opinion. 
So Charlotte, do you have a set of like written out questions that you know to ask yourself that you've like done? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Go through that. Um, So I either have a a list of questions, depending on the symptom um, or depending on the behavior that comes out. We all know which situations tend to stress us out more than other things. So if somebody is, gets very stressed by, having to, I don't know, present or pitch for business, then there are certain strategies, you know, which we predetermine and there are certain ways of actually preparing. So, you know, often it's very easy for us to pick up on on all the negatives. Naturally, the brain looks for negatives before it looks for positives. Mm -hmm. That's part of keeping us alive. And so just knowing that means we can rebalance. And instead of looking for the people who may be aren't responding well or the people who aren't taking notes or anybody who's rolling their eyes we can start to look for oh okay let's actively look for who is engaged Mm -hmm. let's look for people who are nodding their heads in agreement Mm -hmm. let's let's look for people who are smiling um, who are happy to be there Um, and it's just knowing how to balance it out so you know my my framework is based on eight pillars only I guess one or two of which are based on fight or flight. A lot of it is based on just being on that other 75% and just having different strategies for each one and understanding, okay, I don't have to calm down. Maybe this is just, this is just stress of something mattering to me. Yeah. Maybe this is just stress where I can reach out to other people. Maybe it's an opportunity to create a community or to grow which are also part of the stress response. That it's something that, that matters to you because we, we have such a negative view of stress and, you know, to reframe it in that way, it just, it takes a lot of the pressure off of it, doesn't it? It, take, it does take a lot of the pressure off. And it also, it makes it much easier to decide, okay, is this stress worth going through? Or actually, have I, have, have I taken on something that I didn't need to? Is this somebody else's stress? Yeah. Like stress is contagious. It's really easy yeah. Yeah. to just get swept up in it. And I'm sure you, you your audience hear this all the time, that people come in and they offload. Yeah. And they offload. And when you hear the same thing a lot, it's very easy to get swept up in it. Yeah. I had a client who would come to me, and she'd come to me like every month, and she would have the same really stressful situation that she would come to me with. And it and from my perspective, it was like, I had such an easy solution for her. <laughs> like, you just need to, you know, do this one thing different. And she would keep coming in with the same, the same problem every month. And I started to get anxious just knowing that she was on my schedule. Because it was like, I knew she was going to come to me with the same exact problem. I knew that she wasn't going to have done anything to resolve the situation. And I could just feel myself getting like more worked up every time that I would think about having her on my table. Yeah. And sometimes it's just recognizing that and acknowledging it, just thinking, okay, do you know what? This situation does stress me out. So I'm trying to be there and to support her. How else am I supporting her? If I can't solve her problem for her, because I think, and I think this is the problem a lot of us fall into, myself included, we want to solve the problem, particularly when we start to absorb that stress. You know, stress is designed to make us take action to change yeah. something. Yeah. And for us, for a lot of us, especially for women, solving is about doing. 
different. Where actually maybe, and this is where being able to understand the different um, pillars and things, the different levers you can pull yeah. really helps to find different ways to reframe it. So maybe your value for this client wasn't being able to give them the advice on what to do. It was, do you know what? She comes in feeling really tense. At least she's going to go home feeling more relaxed. Yeah. Maybe she just needs to vent it but at least I'm going to send her home physically in a better state than she arrived. Well, and for me, it actually, like the resolution for me ended up, I couldn't work with her anymore because yeah. as, as much as like, I felt like I was pretty good at grounding techniques and everything. It was like, she just was such a trigger for me. And so I had to decide not to work with her. Which I is incredibly valuable. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I think I, that's a lesson that I like often really want to instill in my people is that, you know, we aren't the right therapist for every person. And, you know, if they're going to create that kind of stress in your life, maybe they shouldn't be in your life. Yeah. I just think that that's so important to know that like we, we don't have to work with every client if they're, if they're going to create these triggers in our life, if they're going to have us walking away feeling inadequate or boundaries have been pushed or whatever it is, that's okay to let certain people go. And this is just, a, I think, you know, one of the things I notice working with I, with people who are self-dependent in their work is that it becomes very, very difficult. And I notice this from my work. It, it's very difficult to be able to say no to things because there's this pressure that, you know, what happens if there's nothing else that comes around the corner? Yeah. Um, but actually being able to draw those boundaries is incredibly empowering. And again, when you uh, when understanding the science behind it, you can you can you can massively skew making those the right decisions for you in your favour by by understanding what what how the brain sort of processes things and weighs things up. And this is quite important for stress because it will, especially when we're stressed, it will always focus on the short term risks. It will always outweigh risks against rewards and it will always weigh something present. So in the moment or short term over something long term. And therefore we have to massively weight the rewards against the risks. And so most people write pros and cons lists. This is what's going to happen if I do it. This is what's going to happen if I don't. Mm -hmm. I would always encourage people to write a list of the costs of not doing Mm-hmm. which massively reweights re- the rewards. It, it, it makes the risks and the rewards see the balance seem very different. So if I don't not, if I don't give up working with this client, what, it, what are the risks? What are the costs going to be? Yeah. It's I mean, the cost on my energy. It's, it's the effect it has on all the other clients. It's the, uh, and by adding that extra list, it sounds like a lot more work, but what it does is it gives the brain a much stronger message for why it's important to make that decision. And I, and this works for pretty much an, a, everything. I would say just when you're, when you're trying to make decisions or motivate yourself to do what you ultimately you think you know is the right thing, mm-hmm. think about all the costs and all the rewards because that is what your brain uses that's what it weighs up when it's trying to work out, okay, how, how hard do I fight this? And particularly anything linked to your values and what, what has meaning for you is going to get double weighted, quite literally. 
um, that's that's what your brain will really hook to. And, and that is something we massively underestimate. Having getting clear when you start a project, when you're setting up your business, when you're working towards a goal, on exactly why it is that means something to you, makes it much, much easier to go through any challenge that comes in along the way because you always have something to refer back to for why you're bothering in the first place. Yeah. Your why. Yeah. Your why for it all. And it's it's very easy to get caught up in that, oh yeah, you know, everybody everybody says you have to have a purpose these days. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your purpose is or what it means to you, as long as you're clear on it. Yeah. And that for going through things that are stressful and making decisions that are hard short term, but you know will pay off in the long term is incredibly valuable because it makes it worth bothering. It comes back to that stress is what happens when something you care about is at stake. I have a question for you. You talked about when you were in the corporate world and you were operating kind of in that middle middle lane of stress. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of giving that a negative connotation, but yet at the same time, we're saying that stress is something that happens when you care about something. So what do you think, where do you think we should be? I mean, yeah. obviously we can't have a stress-free life. Like what is a good place to be? What? And this is just it. So the reason I call it the middle lane is because at some point our body does need to relax and it needs to restore and it needs to replenish. And the problem with being in the middle lane is it always requires, it, there's always, it's always switched on. You've always got your foot on the accelerator somehow. Mm-hmm. But it means that at some point you're going to get so tired that you can't accelerate when you really need to. Mm-hmm. And you've forgotten how to slow down. And that's the problem that we get, you know, what we're not addressing is all those day-to-day stresses and the, and the effect that has day-to-day, which means when something really important comes along, we can't deal with it. There's yeah. just nothing left in the tank to deal with it. But equally, we're never really replenishing and giving ourselves that energy or that time or that space. Mm-hmm. And it was that day, it was the impact day to day that I really started to recognize in people, particularly in the corporate world. Everybody talks about absenteeism, but it's presenteeism. And, and like I said, you know, it's the, it's the making the mistakes. It's the not really enjoying what you're doing because it just all feels a bit heavy and a bit like hard work. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to get people away from. Stress is motivating, but you're not, we're not supposed to be there all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's the, it's the constant re-triggering that is really causing the burnout problem. It's not the occasional stressor. It's the fact that we never switch it off. And so do you think that part of managing that is allowing some of these, these stressors that maybe don't, that we shouldn't be taking on to just be able to let them go, to say, this doesn't matter. I'm just, I, yeah. I, I need to just let that one go because it's, it's yeah. not that important to what I'm trying to achieve. It's not that important to my why, to my values. That's exactly it. And in some cases, it's very difficult. You know, there'll be, there'll be reasons why we can't do that. But in a lot of cases, what I notice when I work with people and we start talking about, oh, okay, but why do you believe that? We tell ourselves these stories about why we can't give something up. Yeah. Um, about why something, because it just is. And that's, and often when you break them down, 
they're not true. Yeah. And our brains are very good at holding on to things and worry, especially about and worrying about things. And sometimes just being able to write it down or to say it out loud changes the thinking pattern. I mean, I don't know if it's happened to you, but often I can think and think and think about something and then I will talk to somebody about it and realize it's the words coming out of my mouth. How stupid it sounds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've definitely had that experience. <laughs> like, why um, am I obsessing about this for a week? Or however yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, again, having strategies for that, just recognizing that thinking about something is, is a different brain process to saying it or writing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am I am not a journaler. Like journaling or diarying for me brings images of a teenage girl with a fluffy pen. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hugely valuable because writing stuff down, even if it's just in bullet point form or letters or whatever, writing it down is a different thinking process and it makes our brain think differently about something. It also well, allows it to just let go. They say too that it's, it's different when you actually write with your hand Yes. When you type on a computer, yes. which, which I have a hard time, I have a hard time taking out the pen and paper and like writing. Yeah. Writing. Um, and it does, and, and it, like I said, I'm not really a journaler. I do have, I now do kind of force myself to write stuff down and it really helps. Uh-huh. Um, but also saying it out loud can really help. And there's quite, a, it's a very well-known therapy technique called rubber ducking. Um, and it's because they will encourage you to take a rubber duck or a, or talk to the dog or and just talk at them um, and verbalize it uh-huh. because again just getting it out is a different is a different processing pattern within the brain it forces us to use a little bit more logic and rationality because we have to explain it yeah and sometimes that's enough just to just to change the perspective on things yeah and often it's things that we wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable talking to another person about but being able to say it to an inanimate object or somebody who can't respond. Or even into your phone on the vo- voice recording and then you could yeah. play it back to yourself and hear, hear your words and say, oh my gosh, that sounds crazy. <laughs> yes, that's another very good t- technique. It's a bit like the, it's, it's, it's sort of the digital version of, of journaling. Yeah. One of the values in writing stuff down is that you can go back to it a little while later with fresh eyes just think, oh my goodness. Okay, here's some more evidence that actually maybe I worry about things a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Is this another example of me just worrying too much? Yeah. So it's, you know, and it's for me the power in what, I, what I've learned over the last four or five years is that it puts, it gives some explanation legitimacy to a lot of things that maybe my grandmother would have recommended. Some of those things that just sound a bit too woo-woo for a corporate uh-huh. girl like me. <laughs> I like to know what the process is. And once I know it's a process, I'm, I'm a bit more open-minded about trying it. Yeah. Um, and it may work. It may not work. You know, there are, and this is just, I think it's, we have to understand that different things work for different people. Um, sure. Can you tell us but, about your pillars? Yes. So, um, because I like a process, I was looking to put, um, I was looking to put what I'd learned into a framework that people could apply, what, you know, could work through, understand exactly what their stress response was, exactly what it brought to their, to their life, what their behaviours were, 
and then actually give them a framework for making change when they needed to, both to stress when it happens in the moment. So because there are situations where we got thrown into something, it's like, what do I do? How am I going to respond to this? And to help them understand what the, the stress over, what some of those bigger stresses are and how to work through them. And so it's a, I call it the, I call them the eight pillars. Um, and I use pillars because it, it's a, a lot of us look at stress, stress management like scaffolding. It's holding the building up um, and it's there either to stop it falling down or we use coaching like scaffolding because we want to keep building higher. For me, pillars are more foundational. Mm-hmm. They're what support everything in the building um, and they're what stop it crumbling when there's a big storm. Or Augusta, where they're not just there, you know, and they're things that you that basically are the strength to keep building that building higher. Uh-huh. And so they're built around recognizing um, how we do our stress, how we do stress um, on a personal level, how to restore balance, um, and that's both physical balance, but how to restore that mental balance, which can get thrown off by not being able to tap into the logical side by some of our brain's natural tendencies to look for negatives or to confirm the things that we already think are true and maybe not be open-minded in, in stressful situations. How to reframe some of the stresses that we come across, as we've been talking about today, how to just take a different view on, on maybe things that are coming up um, to help us find solutions how to realign some of that stress that we're going with so that it makes sense to us and what means something to us, to our purpose, or to allow us to let go of it if we realise that actually it's not something that fundamentally we're going to need going forward or or we should be holding on to. How we can use stress and, and our community. So one of the things about going through stress is it can be very isolating. Yeah. Um, and I think anybody who's trying to build a business will recognize quite how isolating the stress of that can be. You can yeah. feel very lonely sometimes. Um, and the stress response actually as part of it has hormones in it, which um, encourage us to reach out to other people, to bond with other people. Um, and we often overlook that. Um, we often rely on maybe one person in our life to be that support network. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually the membership that you have is hugely valuable to people who are going through the stress of of building a business or running their own, working for themselves. And just recognizing and knowing where you can go to get that community or what you can give back to the community, which is also a great form of stress relief um, and resilience. A pillar where we we learn to relate better with people under stress and understand who, who can relate to us and help us there's then that opportunity to recognize that actually stress is what helps us to grow and really evolve as people. It was built into us as a survival and evolution mechanism. And again, there are hormones which are produced and neurotransmitters which are produced as part of the stress response, which really help us develop that. Um, But sometimes we forget to focus on what we've come through and actually look at the lessons we've learned and how much stronger we've got as a result. Um, and all of that sounds really serious because, but we also, it, it, we can get caught up in the heaviness of stress. We have to remember that actually there's another side to it. There's the counterbalance, which is happiness. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes just knowing what little things make us happy by realigning some of those goals to things that the scientists and researchers have managed to prove are much more triggering or uplifting to us than, say, a material goal. Yeah. How to and how to build those into our day. So, you know, how how can you look at your day and just actually balance out some of that that hardship, which we're naturally tend we have a natural tendency to focus on, with a bit more attention to the positives, mm-hmm. to the things that are going right, and actively building in the things that are going to make us happy. Because sometimes stress, as I said, is just a perception of what's going on. Um, if I, I'd be very rich if I had a pound for everybody who said to me, I, you know, I get to the end of the day and I just don't feel like I've really achieved anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and after a while, that feels very stressful. But a lot of the time, it's because we're not looking for those achievements and we're not actively celebrating them. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a, a weekly... Uh, log that I do with myself. It's like my my goals and my um, tasks for the week. And one of the top things on that list is what my achievements from the past week were, because we yeah. do get so bogged down in all of the things that we have to do that we should be doing that we forget about what we have achieved and, and how, how we've moved forward. So I always emphasize making sure if, if I fill out nothing else on that sheet for the week, but I make sure that I at least fill out some accomplishments from the previous week. Yeah. And I think that's super important because again, you know, we have a tendency to overlook the small things, but by overlooking the small things, we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves that in that case, something that is worth celebrating or feeling positive or feeling uplifted by it has to be so much bigger. Yeah. Um, And it can become this sort of spiral of expectation where we never get satisfied. And our brain never gets that hit of reward and recognition. And so I think it's great that you do that every week. I mean, I, I have a thing where at the end of every day, I think, okay, what made me laugh today? Yeah. We forget the power of, of just That's having it. something funny and something good that went, went on. Um, what act of kindness did I see today uh-huh. or do? Um, what, what am I proud of today? Which doesn't necessarily have to be something I did. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a, a tick list achievement. You know, actually, am I proud that I reacted in that way to somebody, or that I didn't react in that way to somebody? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you and tell just, yourself every day you go through that that list with yourself. Yeah, it? yeah, I do. Um, and it takes. I do it while I'm cleaning my teeth. So in the morning, when I'm cleaning my teeth, I, I decide what the, what's going to be important for me that day. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, it, it just because it set the flat sets the flags for my brain, telling me, okay, if you have a choice between this and this, oh no, hang on, you said it. This was important today, so we're going to prioritize this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, other people set the flags of what's important. Yeah, for you. so true. Um, and so I've learned over time to set my own flags, and it's only three things. You know, one of them can be for me or something, you know, whatever. They don't all have to be goals and to do lists. Yeah. So in the morning I do that and I just think of one thing that I'm grateful for just because it sets a positive tone for the day. If you start the day looking for positives, it's much easier for your brain to stay on that path. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very easy. You know, if if the first thing I pick up in the morning is my phone, 
very easy for me to start with other people's demands um, sort of mindset. So I do that when I'm cleaning my teeth in the morning and in the evening I do that, okay, what went well today? Um, Because I'm cleaning my teeth anyway, so it's not like I was going to do anything else at the time. And it sets a sort of a natural time limit to it. Yeah, yeah I think a lot, a lot of the, the advice that's out there makes it sound like the journaling or the gratitude or meditation has to take hours. Yeah, it was just another thing to add on to what you're... Another thing to add on to whatever else you do during the day. And quite frankly, who has time? Yeah. Um, I get up early enough as it is without adding 20 minutes for meditation and, and writing to my life. But this is, this is a way where you can get the benefits without actually having to create time. Yeah. It's finding those little pockets of time that can, that can make the difference between living on the edge and actually living in a zone where it just feels a bit calmer and, a bit, uh, um, and I feel a bit more confident about things. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of just having a, a bit more calm existence. Yeah. <laughs> Being in that middle, the middle lane where you're constantly have the foot slowly on the accelerator, just having a little bit more calm. And, and this is just it. And I think um, we've got so, as I said, we've got so used to being in that middle lane and feeling slightly stressed um, that we've forgotten what it feels like not to be. Um, and we've also, I think we don't realize that relaxation in the parasympathetic nervous system is like a muscle. You have to practice using it. You can't just switch it on like that when you want to. Yeah. And therefore having a couple of go-to techniques where you know that is going to switch that on for you. And it can be an hour of yoga. It can also be three deep breaths, whatever works for you um but having that go-to tool that you practice which is you know one of the pillars working out what restores your calm yeah and proactively using it so that you know when you need it it's going to be accessible um one of my clients said to me it's what i was teaching him was effectively not to try and run a marathon without having trained for a 5k first yeah and this is just it. We expect to be able to use these techniques first time like this in an extreme situation. But actually, it takes a bit of practice. Yeah. It can be very easy to get stuck in or, or just to get channels down. They, well, I have to meditate. When, okay, that's, that's one lever we can pull. But there are seven others. Um, and maybe something else is going to work better for, for somebody. And knowing that you can go back to that and you know if you stick with that you're going to be in a much better place must be very empowering and so yeah I think it it, for me it's it's always been about okay what small changes can I encourage people to make because the thought of making big changes can add to the stress Um, and it's about making them incrementally trying to change everything at once is going to throw most people off, 99% of people. But by doing it sort of pillar by pillar and trying one thing at a time and seeing what works, just building one extra thing in, and then maybe let's try one extra thing. And seeing the difference that just a small tweak can make. Again, for me, the stress management isn't about eliminating the stress. It's about recognizing our power over it Mm -hmm. and the power within it 
to actually help us get what we really want because that ultimately is what it's for. It's a sign that there's change that can be made to help you get what you want and that that change needs to happen. It's just knowing how. And so what I'm trying to do is just broaden people's awareness of the systems and the and the things that they can do that are going to help them. Anything else, Charlotte, that you want to share with us? Any? Um, I mean, I think the one thing that I do try and encourage people to, to take on is don't beat yourself up if you're stressed. It's, it's, it's normal. Everybody gets stressed about different things. Everybody reacts differently. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to encourage people to do is talk about it. Because by talking about it, we realize that actually everybody else is reacting on the same thing. You know, a lot of people stress about the same things, but never verbalize it. So feel alone or feel like they're failing because of that. When actually, I would, I would guess 90% of people stress about some of the same things and if they're in the same situations. So it's not to beat yourself up, um, to try different things. Just because what you may have tried so far hasn't worked doesn't mean that you are destined to be stressed for the rest of your life. Um, be a bit, of a bit open-minded about it and slowly, slowly you will see progress. It's not going to be overnight. I don't have a magic pill for stress, but... It is something you can do, do something about over time. Um, so Charlotte, how can people find you? So you can find me on um, the usual social media channels. So it's I Embrace Stress. So Instagram and Facebook or on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm there as Charlotte Roden. But I also have a weekly newsletter and you can find the link for that in the top of, in the bio on, in, on Instagram or it's embracestress.com. And you have a course. I do have a course. So one of the things that I felt really strongly about when I started doing coaching was that it should be accessible to everybody and also to represent the, sort of the real benefits of being part of a community of being stressed. For me, one of the things I love is running group coaching. So I do, um, I have an online course called The Stress Reset um, where we work through the eight pillars together um, with worksheets and videos and, and a group coaching session once a week, which I love running. 